Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming up. If you're with your family or your friends and somebody goes, what do you think they want you to know? What do you think? They're bored. That could be. They're bored. Maybe they're frustrated, right? Maybe they're disappointed. When, when people sigh like that, it's always because of something that sin is doing in the world to make things hard, right? Maybe your mom and dad ask you to go pull the weeds in the garden, and you're like, <sighs> right? Why are there weeds in the garden? Because there's sin in the world. Did God create the world so that there'd be tons of weeds ruining our gardens? No. That's not how he created the world. Those weeds are there because of sin. And those sighs are there because of sin. When we get frustrated or when people hurt our feelings or when we feel sick, there's all sorts of things that might cause those sighs, but ultimately it's, it's sin in the world, sin in our life, sin in the lives of the people around us. Today we're going to learn that Jesus is able to reverse the impact of sin. Jesus is able to take away the things that, that, that make us sigh like that. Today we're going to see how Jesus healed a man whose ears didn't work and whose tongue didn't work. And we're going to see that Jesus ultimately wants to take all the effects of sin away so that when we live with him in heaven, we will never sigh like that again. But let's pray and ask God to help us focus on his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to reverse the impact of sin. We thank you most of all for sending him to take our sins away so that we could live with you forever in heaven where we will never sigh like that again. Bless us today as we listen to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The portion of God's word that we'll focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh, said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we talked about it in the children's devotion, but what do you think? When uh, a person sighs, what are they usually trying to communicate to you? Maybe it's stress. Maybe they're overwhelmed. 
Maybe they're disappointed. But like we said in the children's devotion, it's always something that sin has caused. God did not make the world to cause these kinds of reactions. He didn't create the world to to have these kinds of sigh-worthy reactions. Can, Can you imagine what it was like for Jesus, the one who created the world perfectly without flaws? Can you imagine what it was like for him to become one of us and to walk through this world Nobody on the face of the earth, when Jesus walked the earth, understood the contrast like he did. He, he could see the difference that sin had made. Just walking along a field and, and seeing the weeds in the field, seeing the diseases killing the trees, having this man brought to him. Ears didn't work. He couldn't speak. God didn't make his ears that way. God didn't make it so that ears would not work. He he didn't make it so that tongues wouldn't be able to speak. You can understand why Jesus would let out this sigh. So what is it that makes you sigh? I I could also ask, what is it that makes you groan? This this word that's used to describe Jesus' sigh It's the same word that's often used in the New Testament to describe the groaning of Christians as they wait. Two chapters after our New Testament lesson in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we hear these words. Now, we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan. Same word. Jesus sees this man whose ears don't work, his tongue doesn't function properly, and he groans, he sighs. It's this reaction that we have when we see the impact of sin in the world and we long for what it is that God is promising us in in heaven. So what is it that makes you groan? What is it that makes you sigh? Maybe you're at one of those points in life where there's like two, three, four different directions you could take and you're wrestling over which one. Which one's best for you as an individual? Which one's best for you as a family? And it's stressing you out. You don't want to pick the wrong path. Maybe for you it's just looking at the stuff on your plate and it just keeps getting taller and taller and it's a burden that's, that's overwhelming. Maybe for you it's disappointment. Maybe you're disappointed in yourself. Maybe you're disappointed in your kids. Maybe you're disappointed in your grandkids. What is it that makes you sigh? The devil is going to tempt you to identify the things that make you sigh. And then he's going to tempt you to think that if you just choose the right path, or remove a couple of the things on your plate that are causing you to be overwhelmed, or can poke or prod or encourage the ones who are disappointing you, then the reason for the sighing will be gone. You'll pick the right path, the stress will be gone. You'll take a few things off your plate, you won't be overwhelmed anymore. Or you'll encourage that that child, that grandchild, to make some adjustments, and instead of disappointing you, they'll make you proud. It's not how it works. 
Remember in our, our second lesson, it's, it's kind of deep, I'll, I'll give you that, but I mentioned it was a comparison between law and gospel. The law kills. The law condemns. The law brings about guilt and shame and points out failure. The law is never a solution to reverse the impact of sin, ever. It only shows us our failures. And so if you fall into the devil's trap, if you go about trying to deal with the groaning, deal with the stress, with the overwhelming feelings, with the disappointment, if you try to deal with that by making better choices, by doing the right thing, that's the law. And it's going to bring about guilt and shame and death and condemnation. That's what will happen. But that's what we want inside. (laughs) Crazy as that sounds. We want to remove the stress ourselves. We want to fix the problem ourselves. We want to be the ones to have the impact on the life of the loved one that, that turns things around. We want to be the ones who reverse the impact of sin. But today, as we look at this miracle, we're reminded that we won't ever be and we cannot be. We need to stop trying to be. Just look at what Jesus does in this, this miracle. I have preached on this text maybe more than any other text I've ever preached on in, in 10 plus years of preaching. I, I can't get over the way he interacts with this man. It's amazing. People who are deaf are now able to get degrees. They could get degrees in anything. They can learn how to communicate with sign language. They can learn how to read they can study and learn and grow and function in society. Are, are there challenges if people don't know sign language? Yeah, but it's really no different than if somebody only speaks Spanish and you don't. You can get past it. You can learn how to communicate. But in Jesus' day, nobody tried to educate people who were deaf. The only people who, who really worked with the deaf were the closest relatives, maybe the parents, maybe siblings, people who had that direct relationship. Maybe they would love a deaf person enough to at least try to communicate. What does Jesus do? He takes him aside, away from the crowd, so there's no distractions. And then he takes his fingers and he puts them in the man's ears. Right here, Jesus says, with his hands, Right here, I'm going to fix this. And then he takes his finger and he touches the man's tongue. Right here. I'm going to do something right here. And then he says, Ephatha, be opened. And the man's ears are immediately opened. They function the way they're intended to function. Jesus has reversed the effect of sin in the world for this man. And the tongue is maybe even more impressive. I'm no expert in linguistics, but I I took a class a few years ago just in linguistics, and it's an amazing field of study where people actually study the, the physical way to make all these different sounds in all these different languages. And it explains why some people who grow up speaking one language have a really hard time pronouncing properly other languages. It's because their language doesn't make that sound. They're not stupid. They're not below you. They just don't physically know how to make that sound yet. Their, their tongue, their teeth, their lips, their, their, their throat, all the different parts of the mouth and face, 
that are used to, to make sounds just haven't learned how to make a sound yet. What this literally says is that he began to speak correctly. He had never heard what language was supposed to sound like. And yet now he could hear, and when he opened his mouth to speak, he not only had the physical ability to make sounds, he knew the language and was instantly able to pronounce it correctly. That's how fully Jesus had reversed the impact of sin for this man. Ephatha, immediately, the effects of sin were reversed. Unbelievable power, unbelievable authority. This is what Jesus came to do. But but not just in the life of one man whose ears didn't work and whose tongue couldn't speak correctly. Jesus came to reverse the impact of sin in the world for everyone, for you and for me. And he did that by living under the law. The same law that kills us, the same law that condemns us, the same law that points out all the flaws in us, Jesus put himself under that law. Because you see, the problem's not with the law. That Old Testament, or that New Testament lesson from 2 Corinthians 3 was comparing when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses and his face was glowing to the gospel. That's the comparison. Paul's basically saying to the church in Corinth, there's nothing wrong with the law. It's from God. It came with glory. It's glorious. It's perfect. But the problem is what the law reveals in us. The problem is with our failures, our shortcomings, our sin. We look up at the law, the Ten Commandments, and we see nothing but failure, guilt, shame, and certain hell. But Jesus came, God's own son, and he put himself under it so that every moment of his life, he could obey it. And he never failed. He perfectly loved his God and he perfectly loved his neighbor, as he does here, taking the man away from the crowd, giving him one-on-one attention, showing perfect love to him like he showed perfect love to everyone else every moment of his life. And you know what the law never got to say to Jesus? You're guilty. The law never got to condemn Jesus until he got to the cross. Because at the cross began the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed. To reverse the impact of sin once and for all. God placed the sins of all of us, the sins of every human to ever live. You want to talk about a burden? You want to talk about a plate that's overwhelming? Every sin of every human to ever live. God placed it all on his son Jesus at the exact same time. And what did the law do? It killed. It condemned. Jesus, the innocent son of God who never once had the law condemn him on the cross bore the brunt of all of our sins, was condemned and suffered the verdict of hell that we all deserve on that cross. Why? Why was he willing to take that burden upon himself? Why was he willing to endure that pain that suffering, because this is what it was going to take to completely reverse the impact of sin. And to prove that it worked, after he died, the Father raises him from the dead because the sins that were placed on him brought about the law's verdict of death. 
And when God raises his son from the dead, what he's showing is that the sins are gone. They've been paid for. They've been removed. Jesus can't be alive if the sins are still there. They're gone. Jesus lives. His resurrection proves it. You will sigh again. Absolutely. As long as you're alive on this earth and you look around and you see the impact of sin on this sin-stained world, you see the sin in the lives of the humans that God places around you, you see the sin in your own heart, it's going gonna, it's gonna to result in more sighs. Remember how the devil is going to try to tempt you. Remember what you want to do as a sinner. You want to fix the stress yourself. You want to relieve that overwhelming burden yourself. You want to fix the disappointment in your own life and in the lives of those around you yourself. It's a lie. Don't believe it. Don't try it. You got two, three, four paths in front of you? Good. Pick one. You're free. God has not said in his in his infinite courtroom, he has not said, well, if they pick A, it's going to go well for them, but if they pick B, C, or D, oh boy. God will bless you whichever path you take. He will work for your good whichever way you go. So use the gifts God has given you to assess the paths in front of you and be free. Pick one and be blessed. And as you look at that pile on your plate, take the whole pile and just throw it on Jesus. Remember that passage, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you? You ever heard that one? Do it. Try it. Take the whole pile of responsibilities and just toss it all on Jesus. Bring it all to him in prayer. Just say, I can't handle this. It's too much. You think he can handle it? If he could handle the burden of all the sins of the world... If he, could, if he could hold that burden, you think he can handle our collective plates? I think so. And as you got someone in your life who's disappointed you, maybe you've disappointed yourself, point yourself, point that person to their Savior who never abandons those who disappoint him ever. Let Jesus be the hero. He, he is. He's reversed the impact of sin completely. And remember, you will, you will sigh again. Only one day it's going to be a different kind of sigh. You're going to open your eyes and for the first time you're going to see life without the impact of sin. You're going to experience what Jesus came to give you. You're going to open your eyes in paradise and you will sigh like you've never sighed before. A sigh of peace and contentment and relief that will never end. Amen.